0: Welcome to Questions About Heaven, a podcast about giving Bible answers to our questions about the afterlife with God. Each week we seek to answer real-life questions with Biblical answers about the life beyond this world. Now, here's your host, Brad Zockel. And a wonderful day to you. This is Brad Zockel. We're continuing our study in Revelation, Revelation chapter 17. We're looking at the one world government and then the antichrist that uh the the manifestation uh, in the human form of the anti-trinity coming out and just grasping in the world the intent from genesis was to take over the intent in isaiah 14 was for lucifer to take over the fall ezekiel chapter 28 was great indeed but his intent all the way through In the satanic realms of Genesis chapter 6 on into uh, the individuals being possessed by demons in Mark 1 Mark chapter 3 Mark chapter 5 there has been a continual battle by the satanic realm we're seeing it at its height here the entire world is under this influence of this one he is known as the Antichrist he is known as the false messiah and you'll see many times in the scriptures in the various translations as the beast. You'll find this. When you see him in power, you'll see something that's missing. See, I want you to think about this when we talk about what is one of the wonders of the believer whenever we're talking about the knowledge of Christ. But when we talk about the holiness of the Lord, we find this most powerful, Exodus chapter 15 and verse 11. He's majestic. God the Father, Yahweh, is majestic in holiness. Uh, 1 Samuel chapter 2 and verse 2, there's none, no one, holy as the Lord, who can stand before this holy Lord God, is what it says in 1 Samuel chapter 6 and verse 20. And in that, we recognize that, we submit to it, we enjoy it, and what does it say? Well, there's a key word that keeps coming up to the believers and the followers of the Lord through Jesus Christ. Lazarus, for example, in Jesus' own words, when he's in the presence of God, Abraham's bosom was the reference at that time, meaning sitting by at the king's table. God, the king, sitting at his table. Luke chapter 16, Lazarus is now comforted. Matthew chapter 5 and verse 4, Blessed are those who mourn, who realize their need, and they come to the Lord. They're now comforted. Revelation 21.3 gives us that principle. With God alongside us on the new earth, that's going to be comfort. Isaiah 51 and verse 12. The Lord himself says, I am he who comforts you. As a matter of fact, 2 Corinthians chapter 1 and verse 4 says, he comforts us even now, even in the times of affliction. But then think about it then, Revelation 22:3, 3, when the curse is gone. Yeah, that'll be comfort. You don't see anything here with the, the beast in power. Nothing here says that, that the people of the earth are comforted. Oh, they wonder And they marvel and they are sealed with loyalty to him. They're able to purchase things, but it never says comfort. Isn't that strange? And when you're taking a look at it, no, not to the believer. It's not strange at all. You see this. And so I'm going to continue on and read the next part. Now we're up to, uh, in Revelation chapter 17, we're now to verse 12. And as we follow this, we're talking about the leaderships that are being taken under the one world government the woman is representing the one-world government on there, and then she sits on the mountains. The mountains were representing the kingdoms, the various kings who fell under the uh, the wooing of the one-world religion, and is following that, however it's based. And we're telling, and we're finding that there. And it talks about the many kingdoms, and we, we looked at that. Uh, some, and, and there are many conjectures on what all these kingdoms mean. And for the sake of time, you can look those up, but for right now, I just want to say that the the Antichrist is the eighth one who is showing in earlier verses the imitation of the seven prior, but has authority over them. And then we move on to some more grasp of power here. And you'll see this. Remember when we were when the Lord of the Rings trilogy came out at the very beginning, and how Tolkien how so wisely expressed this in the writing that the ring Even though people had the best of intentions, the ring, the grasp for power was everything. Money would follow the grasp for power. Fame would follow the grasp for power. But the power, well, you see that all through Revelation chapter 17, there's a grasp. We've got to have power while we're on this present earth. So here we go. Verse 12, let me read some to you here in verse uh, uh, 12 of chapter 17. And the ten horns that you saw, this is uh, giving the explanation Of the symbolism. The ten horns that you saw are ten kings who have not yet received royal power, but they're to receive authority as kings for one hour, together with the beast. These are of one mind, and they hand over their power and authority to the beast. They will make war on the lamb, the lamb will conquer them, for he is the Lord of lords and the kings of kings, and those with him are called and chosen and faithful. And the angel said to me, The waters that you saw where the prostitute is seated are peoples and multitudes and nations and languages. And the ten horns that you saw, they and the beast will hate the prostitute. Oh, they're going to turn in the world religion. They will make her desolate and naked and devour her flesh and burn her up with fire. So it's going to be a total turning against this world religion which welcomed the beast. For God has put it into their hearts to carry out his purpose by being of one mind and handing over their royal power to the beast until the words of God are fulfilled. So God's sovereignty in all this is being shown. And the woman that you saw is the great city that has dominion over the kings of the earth. And so there's a centralized place on there, but it's going to be a destruction. So let's go back. And the ten horns that you saw are the ten kings which have not received yet power. All right? So we're seeing a continual, gradual uh, increase through the world religions that uh, would reject the Lord. Isn't it true that that opens up the way for... Uh, the, the Antichrist, for the satanic realm to come. If mankind has an empty throne, someone, some entity is going to go on it. If they reject Christ on the throne, then somebody else's a usurper is going to come along. And indeed he does. And it's the Antichrist, it's a Satan. All right. So we see this. Now, when you go back to Daniel chapter 2, as I said, Daniel and Revelation are tied in, you're going to see a vision, an image And Daniel, in chapter 2, and you're going to start in verse 24 and move through all the way through in these chapters, and you're going to see that there are uh, toasts on the image. They represent ten nations combining in sort of a United States of rebellion, United States of independence uh, from God, a confederation, all right? And when you see this, When I was a child, it was always pointed out that the European Union, I think it was first called the European Economic Community, they were forming 10. They were aiming for 10, and a lot of the preachers in the uh, days of my youth in the 60s and 70s said, well, that very well could be yet. They were circumspect. They said it might not be, but it certainly looks that way, and we have different numbers coming through in the EU, but you know, if we're going to point just at that, Uh, That's one thing, but just saying, there's going to be a conglomeration of ten, a confederation of ten uh, nations that are going to unify their minds. They're of one mind, they're going to give their power and authority to the beast. So what they want to do is, it's just when you saw the Pharisees and Sadducees, who couldn't stand each other, would unify to put Christ to death. You're going to see these ones because this is a narcissistic egotistical group, this one world government, but they also know power when there's power and they hand it to the beast in order to, it will do anything to de- destroy Christ and he's going to use them as his uh, minions, as his tools, as his uh, sub, I, I would say, uh, just those that were under him, subordinates I guess you would say, uh, to take care of this. They are going to go into the battle. We look back in Revelation chapter 16 and we see this. Remember, we've already seen in 14 and 16, it said Babylon has fallen. But 17 and 18 are giving the details of what had happened here. Now, the, the, the world is watching and under this, uh, in there, in unity or whether they join forces and anything. The symbolism is talking about this. The harlot sits in the waters. Well, that's representing the worldwide religion has taken over all of the peoples and multitudes and nations and tongues. And so when we have this, you can actually say there is finally a one world religion unifying. And isn't it something? One of the causes is the unity of them against Christ. Okay, because when we see this, remember when we keep talking about this, the salvation is open to all, and yet the dedication and the narrowness of that uh, call to the Lord. I am the way, the truth, and the life. No man comes to the Father but by me. And that is John fourteen six, Acts chapter 4 and verse 12. There's no other name under heaven given among men whereby we must be saved. And you're seeing that's a very narrow thing. And this one world religion says, we're not going to do with that narrowness. We'll join forces and get rid of uh, him. And so when they do this, we've seen this, that um, as we look at this, this one world religion will gladly unify in any ways and be malleable. Many times when I'm on the religious surveys with the academies, we will go and we will uh, interview different faiths and they'll say, we'll see this many times, we'll adjust to society. We'll change our doctrines. We'll change the tenets of our faith in order to match society. We've heard that numerous times. Well, it very well could be here. All right? So the ten horns you saw on the beast, these will hate the harlot, make her desolate and naked, eat her flesh, and burn her with fire. Well, something happens here. And when he uses them, we're going back into the tribulation, and the one-world government, now that Christ has gone and taken his children, in the fulfillment of Revelation chapter 3 and verse 10, and what's explained in 1 Corinthians chapter 15 and 1 Thessalonians chapter 14, uh, Jesus, as he promised in John 14 to come and take the children away, in the absence of the believers, is the uh, just the the growth, the magnificent, I guess you would say, growth of this one world religion. Well, they say. We're finally rid of all those narrow-minded Christians. We can unify, we can grow. Well, that leaves them open. And in the first half of the tribulation, that he introduces right in, Revelation 13 talks about this, the false Messiah comes. And as he's there, he's finally going to say, as he takes power, you're going to see the violence breaks in the second half, in the very middle of the seven years, as we saw many times. He's going to take over. All right, he is going to be in charge. He will only be worshiped. He will not be a team mate. He will not want to have anyone else, and isn't that true? He is only going to have worship of himself. Think back, 2 Thessalonians chapter 2 talks about this. This is the one. Remember, annihilation perdition means annihilation, destruction. Well, he is going to be that way. He's going down. So He's actually referred to in 2 Thessalonians chapter 2 as the son of perdition, which just means he's the essence of defeat. Okay, son of, and we say the son of God, that's not saying the physical son of God, it's saying the essence of God himself. Jesus is the essence of God himself. He is God. And this one here, he is the essence of failure, the son of perdition, who opposes and exalts himself above all that's called God or that is worship. He will not have anybody. This clearly says in 2 Thessalonians. So that he sits in the temple of God, showing himself that he is God. Well, that's the reason why that he's not going to put up with a world religion that says we can all be together, we can all worship ourselves, you know. Indeed, we will see that, you know, we are uh, the, the, the greatest entity in the world. And, and the, the satanic realm says, absolutely not, I'm over there. So there's a turning on here and a destruction. So this worldwide religion, what you might call religious Babylon, then there's going to be, well, I think about this, you know, uh, just the, the, the tyrannical overtaking once the, uh, the religion is used. I remember back in reading back in college of Hitler in an interview, and I'm afraid I can't give you the source, but I remember very clearly, uh, he used Catholicism to bring himself into power. And there were pictures, photo ops of him leaving a Catholic church looking very solemn. And he freely said later on, because, of course, you know, he went against them, Uh, there and then had used them and really took over and was very disgusted by Catholicism, even though he was trying to portray himself as a Catholic, uh, showing himself to be very religious and uh, and on there. And then once he got into power, he went against, you know, Christianity. He went against uh, all of these faiths to show him. He used it, and that's what you're seeing here. But you will also remember this. Look at what happens with all of this destruction and chaos. For God has put it into their hearts to fulfill his purpose, to be of one mind to give their kingdom to the beast until the words of God are fulfilled. Now think about that when we think back of Pharaoh, and Pharaoh thought he was totally in charge, but God allowed it. Think of Job, and then uh, Lucifer says, uh, you know, Satan himself says, well, I want to take this guy and make him an example. And the Lord says, I'll only allow you to go this far. This is what God has put into their hearts. This one world religion's going down because God will, as we see through the scriptures, allow one nation to punish another nation or one empire to bring down another empire. And he has his purpose there. What will happen is these 10 kings This conglomerate, this consolidation, will then unify in their spirit to join the Antichrist and follow. And so what's going to happen? It's just what Samuel had said uh, whenever they said, we want a king, we want a king. This isn't what God wants, but you know something? If this is what you want, God will allow it. And you saw how how just under Saul, everything was just upside down. Well, in this, this is even more extreme. You wanted no God, you wanted to have your own power, you wanted to have your own rulership or, or the, the custom-made leader, okay, this is what you get. Well, now it says here, the woman whom you saw is that great city which reigns over the kings of the earth, and at the time that John's writing this, everybody would say, well, that's Rome you know, taking over, but this is talking about a kingdom to come, and we don't know exactly which city this will be, but we're saying this. This is talking about there is going to be a great city, there's going to be a central point here. I mean, uh, think about it, when we think about the different powers, the different plays of power uh, in in uh, politics, you would talk about uh, the center of politics at this city, or you would talk about the center of entertainment in this city, the center of sports in this city, and different things like that, you would see a city representing that, whether temporary or what we would consider to be more toward permanent, you would identify it. And it's saying here, this is a great city, and uh, we could call it Babylon, as you see here. This woman represents this, this great city, this center of uh, worldwide uh, religion in it. And I use that term because when people would ask me, you know, they'll, they'll tell me, are you religious? Well, I'm not religious myself, somebody would say. And I'll tell them, I'm not either. And it always shocks them. And I said, not in the parlance in which you're presenting it. What you are intimating, if you're not going by the Oxford Dictionary, if you're going by what today's world thinks, liturgy, candles and robes, high music, rituals, no, I'm not into that either. You know, The four walls of uh, this place do not have to be ornate to the point of being filled with incense and ceremony. It is the worship of the Lord. And indeed, there are many magnificent structures in which I've gone and I've felt a deep presence of the Lord. I'm not saying that or mocking anything, but it's this. If you're talking about liturgy and ritual, well, I'll agree with you. That doesn't bring me salvation. Jesus Christ does. Well, in this, you're seeing this. Under the guise of saying we're free, there's a shackling under this great, quote-unquote, great city, the religious Babylon. And what's what's its end? It's the way with all man-made religions. It's going to fall and fail. And that's what's being discussed here. And that takes us to the end of Revelation 17. In the best of what man can do to try to imitate the celestial, there's nothing but a destruction. May we all remember that when we meet with somebody who says, Oh, I've created my own uh, ethics, my my own faith, my own belief. We're always reminded outside of the Lord it'll be nothing but frustration and failure. We'll talk some more. This is Brad here. We've finished up Revelation 17. Our next podcast, we'll go into Revelation 18 and talk about a different Babylon and yet just as important a Babylon. and It's going to fall as well under the guidance of the Lord. God bless you. Take care and Lord willing, we'll talk soon. In order for the Heaven Tour to continue fulfilling our mission, we humbly ask for your support. Your generosity allows us to continue to proclaim and explain the biblical truth of heaven and to mentor many. All eligible donations are tax deductible, so please prayerfully consider an end-of-year gift. You can send your gift to the Heaven Tour P.O. Box 795 Pickens, South Carolina 29671. Thank you and have a blessed Thanksgiving.